Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. Coming up this week... Promising. Isak! Isak! It's a brilliantly improvised finish! Ice cold Alex. Champions League pursuit reheated by Swede. Big moment! Big penalty! Monumental penalty for Our next game is huge. Is it a good time for the international break? And it's six points all round as Langley's promotion chasers also seal a crucial league double. Hello everyone, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne and I've got three lovely chaps with me here today. Chris Woff, George Corkin and Jacob Whitehead. How are we doing boys? Are we alright? Who goes first? Should we do this in the order of seniority or shall I take the ball and then very, very sneakily hand it over to Jacob to convert? I'm pretty good, yeah. No drama here. Yeah, that was worth the wait, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Dispatch that with venom, Jacob. How are you, Chris? Uh, well, off air, I was admonished by George for eating on camera, and then I was called an orang- I said uh, uh, reminiscent of an orangutan by Jacob. So, yeah, you know, uh, wonderful. It's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's quite an orange light on you here as well, which is kind of feeding into the. <laughs> Jason Tyndall esque. <laughs> yeah. Have you been up to Tantasy again on Heaton High Road? Have you? You're looking very well. Getting ready for Love Island this year. Yes, well, I was. it's all from sunny Nottingham on a Friday night when it was uh, certainly fiery out on the pitch anyway, which we'll get on to, but yeah, it was certainly a fiery. How are you anyway, Taylor? I'm not too bad, yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm feeling decent. You know, I'm ready to get back stuck back into this again and uh, talk about Eddie's Champions League possible mags. You never know, do you? Hey, George, how are you? Are you okay? Yes, happy to be back. And yeah, very happy that Newcastle have started. Good to have you back. What? Good to have you back, George. Thank you. Yeah, and um, yeah, pleased that Newcastle have started winning again, which has pretty much coincided with my absence, but there you go. <laughs> See, maybe Jacob was right all along. Come on, you Maggies. Uh, yes, fantastic win on Friday night down at Nottingham Forest. That's six points from the Wolves and Forest games. It's just what the doctor ordered, isn't it, Chris? It very much is, and it was what Newcastle needed to rediscover some momentum if they were going to really push towards trying to secure Champions League qualification between now and the end of the season. They'd lost their way a little bit, basically the the start of the end of February going into the start of March, and it was crucial they got at least four points from the two matches, and to get six is absolutely huge. 
to score an injury time of both matches as well, to come from behind for the first time this season to win a game. Yeah. Um, they showed a heck of a lot of resilience. I thought they were excellent for large spells on Friday night beyond putting the ball in the back of the net, which is something we've kept saying over the course of the last yeah. few weeks. And yes, it feels again like they've picked up and that momentum's with them and maybe other teams are stuttering. Obviously, you had Spurs and Conte's implosion over the weekend. There's been uh, Manchester United have obviously been in, in the FA Cup, so that allowed Newcastle the opportunity to catch up them a little bit. But then Liverpool continue to be hit and miss of their own accord. So I think that really to go into the international break as they have, Newcastle, rather than maybe looking behind them as they were a few weeks ago, the likes of Brighton and Brentford are suddenly looking above and thinking if, yeah. well, actually, if they, if they win the next match, then they will leapfrog Manchester United and they'll be back into third position on goal difference. It was another scrap though, George, wasn't it? And it's good to see Newcastle are, are prepared and able to win dirty occasionally. We overcame that Wolves equaliser and now we've come from behind to beat Forest. Yeah, that tenacity is very important. That character, they showed that against Wolves, not really convincing, but much more convincing uh, at Forest. And, you know, I thought Forest were pretty awful, I have to, have to say, but notwithstanding that, Newcastle Newcastle played well. Yeah. And, um, you know, good to see that again. I mean, the one thing uh, you know that hasn't gone is this uh, habit of making kind of errors at the back. And, I, you know, it would be nice if that if, if that could be ironed out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel a bit of relief, actually, because... It did get a bit sticky in February and March, as Chris said. They weren't convincing. It felt a bit tired. It felt like things needed to be switched up a bit. They have now done that. We'll talk about Isak, of course. But it's nice to have that feeling again, that people can come into the team, make a difference. Yeah. And they had to kind of force their way through that match by the end in quite amusing fashion, actually. Um, <laughs> but they played well and... That felt like that felt like a good moment to me and a big moment. And yes, they've cemented that position near the top of the division, which is which is good. Good to see. Absolutely, Jacob. It was quite a bit of one-way traffic, wasn't it, in that first half? Newcastle creating chances, and you would say that that Forest goal probably comes about a bit against the runner play, doesn't it? And it's Botman. Does he just take his eye off the situation? Does he not get a call? What there's obviously been a miscommunication there somewhere. It was a there was a. Not a great way to concede, was it? No. Um, what's quite interesting is he like plays it with the outside of his foot, which is usually something which you feel like you do when you have extreme confidence kind of playing it like that. It just doesn't go right for him. Um, it looks if he didn't quite see Dennis's run. It was kind of on his blind side. Yeah. And he sort of didn't quite hit it properly. But I suppose like sort of almost everyone in the defence has sort of had an individual error over the last few weeks. It's sort of one all each and hopefully they've all got their single mistake for the season out of the way. I mean, I always have a hard time putting too much blame on Botman's door seeing as he's had the whole season. That's the main error he's made and, you know, the amount of chances which it feels like strikers have missed and haven't got kind of pelters for, I, th- I think it's forgivable. Is there any chance it's a little bit of a... a, a- a confidence problem here with what happened with Nick Pope against Liverpool and maybe the defenders are thinking a little bit too much about playing the ball back or or do, or do we think it's just a case of he took his eye off the ball and it's a bit of a one-off? It, it, it seems like a, a, a strange one, that, Chris, and it's a couple of little worrying moments have crept in over the last couple of weeks where that sort of thing's been happening. I actually think it's the opposite to a certain degree. I think with Botman, it, complacency would be the wrong word, but I think there's a, because he's so comfortable in possession that actually... 
the fact that he didn't look and the fact that he did try and pass it like that and he schooled in the Ajax way of the goalkeeper being an extra player. And I know that's something Newcastle have worked on in terms of almost not giving it back to the goalkeeper on the floor if they can avoid it and try to play forward. Yeah. And it seems that they've regressed from that a little bit over the last couple of weeks. They seem to be giving it to Nick Pope in those situations a lot more. And for someone who's had those nervy moments, I don't think it sort of serves him particularly well. I don't think it serves the team particularly well so it's one of those which I'm sure will now every time he, he looks across now he will it, it'd be like Shea given that time when he put the ball down and uh, the Crystal Palace striker came around and nicked the, I think it was Crystal Palace nicked the ball from uh, Coventry. He, Coventry, Coventry, that sorry, Coventry yeah and every yeah, single time after that he always, he always checked over his shoulder I think it'll be the same now from Botman I think it's one of those where he, he wouldn't do the same situation again. I mean, it wasn't even if he even if Dennis hadn't been there, there was the Forest were pressing quite high as it was, and so it was it probably wasn't the right decision to make. And sometimes you do just need to to be a little bit more negative, whether that's to boot it up the field or kick it out of play. Sometimes that's just the it's it, it it's not necessarily a massively negative option of its own accord. It's just you, you need it in that very moment in time. That's the right decision to make. And I just think, yeah, I just think it was the wrong decision. And for someone, as Jacob said, who's made so many correct decisions and brilliant players across the course of this season, you'll forgive him for that, particularly seeing as Newcastle found a way to come back and win as well. Yeah, I've got to remember he's still young and he's still learning the game, isn't he? And another another player who's young and learning the game and seems to be going from strength to strength every week, George, is Alexander Isak. And I don't know what you call that finish that he did on that in that goal. Is it a sideways Jumping shin volley. I've got no idea what that was. All I know is it was bloody brilliant. Oh, I'm sure Chris has got some sort of jargon for that. And inside, <laughs> outside, half volley pivot, fulcrum axis. Yeah, sh- shinner, p- shinner pivot. A shinner pivot. Yeah, a shinner shinner. pivot. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful though, wasn't it? And I think, yeah, it's, he, as you say, his, I don't want to say use the word emergence because that's not quite the right word, but the way he's kind of grasped it in the last two matches in particular has been great to see. I think, you know, he, after he was signed, he he he, he made a kind of immediate impact. He's had a very disrupted season in terms of sort of uh, fitness and injury, but suddenly he's looking like the player Newcastle signed now, isn't he? He's looking every bit yeah. um, as if he's, ready for it. I mean, I kind of think that when he's come into the team previously, it's like, hmm, okay, what what kind of centre forward is he? What kind of striker is he? Can he hold the ball up? Is he uh is he a you know, is he that kind of player? Where are his strengths? You see flashes of it, but it's felt sort of not unconvincing, but it's it's you know, he certainly hasn't made a compelling case to start. And now he absolutely has. He's done that. He looks to have a bit of everything. He's got that yeah. grace. He's got athleticism. And the way he finished, well, both goals, including the penalty, was just so cool, so so clever. And, yeah, very, very exciting. And exactly what Newcastle needed, I think I made the point two or three weeks ago, that suddenly they felt like there was that bit of uncertainty up front, whereas at the start of the season you sort of you didn't have that. And I, I just thought he was... He was superb against Forest. Had a bit of everything in his play, but yeah, blimey, looks like a looks like a really good player now. Undefining that first finish, it's what me and my friends would describe as a microwave, which is a, a term we invented. Okay. During deepest darkest lockdown, there was a couple of months where the only sport you're allowed to do with other people was golf, and none of us were any good at golf, so we were topping it the whole time. And a shot which was effective but was improvised and didn't necessarily look really pretty, but did the job brilliantly, was known as a microwave. Did you come up with a name? Yeah, so it's 
it is to do with microwave is it's not necessarily the best way to cook it. It's not necessarily the prettiest way to cook it, but it's effective and it does the job. It's a microwave. <laughs> you two are as bad as each other, honestly. Oh, Get God. in the bin. <laughs> Isaac Skull, perfect, perfect microwave. It's not like, you know, George Savide Culkin and his way of cooking. I have got a sous vide, actually. I have got a sous vide. That is the most middle class thing you've ever said. Well, it's a bath. It's the bath. They're great then, but this isn't this isn't the Athletics Cookery podcast, is it? Come on. Yeah, I mean I do have a sous vide, but it's I mean that is the bath, basically, isn't it? Where has this gone? Um what I did like, Jacob, about that goal from Isaac was it was it came in a point in the match where he had been switched and pushed out wide onto the left and uh, Alanson Maxman had been made to come inside whether that was to deal with him having a bit of an injury or effectiveness or, or whatever but Isaac came from the left to score that goal and it just shows he can he can play across that front three and he will still get in the box and he'll still get chances yeah that's been a bit of a you know press emergency button send Isaac out wide like against Southampton in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi that goal came from him finding space out wide and crossing in for Gillington in the middle that's right yeah it just leads to so much versatility he's just he's, he's an intelligent player and he's scored in so many different ways over the last few weeks there's that brave header against wolves there was the kind of improvised finish there's him heading out wide yeah really encouraging can i just say as well what the fuck was the lad for nottingham forest doing for that penalty what does he think he's playing at is he waving to his mate in the crowd there was no reason for him to have his hand up that high it was just one of the most monumentally stupid things I've ever seen on a football pitch, Chris, and I've seen some really monumentally stupid things on football well, pitches New- over the years. You're a Newcastle fan, Taylor, of course. Yeah, you there's have, there's been quite a few in recent <laughs> exactly. weeks as well. So. What was he doing? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, he, and you could see immediately he knew as well. Um, but I mean, just be- just before we get on to, to the penalty itself, I mean, in terms of Isak, one of the things, and I don't know. Obviously, I was at the game, so I, I don't know what it's like, sort of watching the last couple of games on TV. But the the only other, and and this is I'm not saying he's like Erling Haaland in terms of the way that he finishes and things like that. But the, the when he receives the ball, lays it off, and the ability to quickly turn and get beyond a defender mm, and make yeah. the run. The only player I've seen who's able to do that in recent times to such speed and without the defender being able to react as Erling Haaland this season. There's just something that was so impressive, particularly on Friday night, the way that he got in and for the disallowed goal, the way that he. Controls the ball on the floor, gets up to his feet. The footwork. The footwork oh. to, to move from one foot to the other. And then falling backwards with his left foot to be able to, fl- to be able to dink it to the back post as well. Yeah. The clarity of thought and the ability to do that was was just was just wonderful. And I thought that his all-round performance, he, he provided so much. I mean, when he was through the middle, he was effective. When he was out left, he was effective. And he, he's shown so much more to his game than he had previously in terms of that. I think the concern was, particularly against sort of bulkier Premier League defences would he have the physicality to be able to deal with them and he sort of found a different way of he's just too quick he's just too athletic yeah he, he's he's too clever in his movement to, to get away from them and get beyond them and, he, and he's shown up two defences there I mean I agree with George I thought Nottingham Forest were absolutely appalling but be, that, that regardless it, it's still an intimidating place and certainly once the goal had been disallowed the atmosphere had really changed and, and it was fully with Forest at that point, and you feared that Newcastle. Yeah. How are they going to react with this? But but it was someone like Isak who managed to drag them, kept dra- dragging them forward, um, and the directness that the likes of him and Jacob Murphy brought 
um, in terms of getting the ball into the box really helped Newcastle. It's a pressurised situation, George, isn't it? Getting a, a penalty in the 93rd minute and having to try and deal with that. But uh, Kieran Trippier eased that pressure on Alexander Isak a little bit, didn't he? Uh, with some lovely shithousery. Yes, and I wanted to pay tribute to to Chris and the piece that he wrote in the immediate aftermath of, of the Forest game because he basically sort of boiled down those last few minutes and and unpicked them and what happened. I mean, you know, watching at home, it's just there's there's Trippier, he's standing up, he's going to take it, he's getting all the usual shit, which is it's now sort of the done thing, isn't it, that everybody does when a team yeah. gets awarded the penalty. The opposition players crowd around the ball, they try and the goalkeeper steps forward. Nick Pope, of course, does this, uh, does this all the time. They try and put the player off who's taking the penalty, and Trippy is just there standing, taking it, and eventually Tierney, the referee, gets everybody out of the box. And the funny thing, if you watch, if you watch the clip back, and Chris made reference to this, is that you see Trippier really smiling. Yeah. I mean, he's. It looks like he's smiling at the goalkeeper, but they're, you know, whether it's Newcastle fans or whatever, but he's like loving it, and and then just turns around, gives the ball to. Uh, gives the ball to Isak who, ste- who steps up so by that point there's nobody around him to put him off it's just that sort of thing so Isak's had time to prepare himself he's had time to take deep breaths and think about it yeah. and I mean dispatch the penalty brilliantly but I just love that I mean you all know that my um, my affections are very fickle I mean um, I've, this season I've gone from sort of Trippier to Dan Byrne I mean I've fallen for Dan Byrne big time and now it's Trippier all over again because I just love, <laughs> I just love that moment. And it is, it's, it's just a little thing. I mean, to actually have the wit to do that at the time, yeah, it's so clever. I mean, of course, now everybody will tr- try and do that, but in the heat of the moment, at the end of a match, everything's at stake, and it just buys that bit of time, allows Isak to take a breath, and then and then does it. Just so so clever, brilliant. It shows really good leadership, doesn't it? And and he's took he's just took the ball away and he's took the pressure off him completely. And it, it gives him that vital thirty seconds to cool his head down and just and just get ready for it. You know, it's really good leadership. What, was it shithousery or was it anti shithousery to to stop Forrest from shithousing or was it? I said shithouse prevention. Shithouse prevention. C- counter yeah. shithousing. Count the antidote to shithouse. Yeah. Gagan shithousing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, excellent. Really yeah. good, though. I mean, because Newcastle have done the opposite. You know, as I said, Newcastle have yeah, done yeah, exactly the, the same thing that Forest players are doing. So to sort of know, to have the nows, to then know how to counter it as well. Um, brilliant. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just on the penalty, George, I mean, you did say before it was a very clever penalty, yeah, but it go. wasn't really a twatted penalty, was no, it? So how go. did you feel about this? 
Well, I mean, not happy, but then very happy. <laughs> so I hope you didn't celebrate out of principle. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, don't fucking die. Oh, yes, get in. So it sort of, I think the circumstances <laughs> changed it a bit. Um, he did that. We had curved run up as well, uh, didn't yeah, he? Like yeah. what Bruno did in the yeah. in the penalty yeah. shootout. Right. It's exactly the same as I like, don't put it over yeah. the bar, please. No, there they were, they were mixed feelings. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, and then <laughs> and then celebrated. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. A one player who who didn't care for some of Newcastle United's antics was John Joe Shelby, uh, who very much got a taste of his own medicine, didn't he, Jacob? The boot is now firmly on the other foot. Like, everyone watches football for narrative, right? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's everywhere, yeah. Exactly what you want. I mean, like, I like the way that kind of when you heard him speaking, you could kind of see it start. There's like a little bit of barb to it. And then he kind of realised, actually, I'm not yeah. really going to win this argument. And it sort of turned into a little bit of a little bit of fun. But fair play to him. Like, come on, that's why you watch it, isn't it? Like, a little bit of needle. Realising midway through the sentence that he is one of the worst people for that very same thing. And he has no grounds to be standing there whinging about it. I sort of change my mind quite often mid-sentence. It's quite a regular thing in this podcast. So sort of knowing how to rescue <laughs> things. Yeah. If you've listened to this podcast for long enough, you'll have heard that quite often from all of us. But yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, Chris, let's talk about that Elliot Anderson disallowed goal. Um, I'm still raging, to be honest. Still raging about it. I don't understand how two Nottingham Forest players can play the football, can play the ball before it touches Sean Longstaff and that goal still be disallowed for offside. If anybody can explain this to me, it's you, Chris, but I have a feeling you're on the same camp as me. I am on the same camp as you. I mean, just, just to explain to anyone in case you haven't actually seen exactly what goes on. So basically, Sean Longstaff is overlapping on the right-hand side of the box. Isak is a few yards behind him and tries to centre the ball uh, Felipe, the Nottingham Forest defender, slides in or slides across, but very clearly is trying to clear the ball. Might be sliding, but very clearly is swinging towards to clear the ball. Hasn't just deflected off him. Then another Forest defender kicks it just about about half a yard onto Sean Longstaff as well. So two Forest players have touched the ball. Quite clearly, both of them trying to kick it as well, not just a deflection. Yeah. And then the ball ricochets off Sean Longstaff, goes back to Isak, who, as I said, on the ground, controls it, does a trick, lifts it to the back post with his left foot, and then Elliot Anson heads it in. So initially the goal's given, and nobody within the ground is is, is thinking that it's it's going to be disallowed. The only, the only thing was that Anderson jumped over his man and he went down pretending he was injured or seemingly holding his head. Yeah. And then after a couple of minutes, it becomes clear that VAR are looking at it, and we were trying to work out why... And the re- I mean, the referee, I thought, was appalling. I thought Tini, Paul Tini was absolutely terrible all game. But the one thing I will say, not in his defence, because I'm not trying to defend him because the rest of the performance was so bad, but it, I almost got the impression that when he gets called over the VAR screen, he is thinking in his own mind, they've called me over here for something. There must be something really big, which, something which I'm missing. Yeah. And it was almost like, right, I need to give this because they're telling me someone's offside or there needs to be. And you could almost see he was confused by the situation. And the, the explanation from the Premier League and PGMOL privately is basically, oh, yeah, they thought it was a deflection off Felipe, which is just rubbish. It, it, it just It is just it's a, bullshit. That. It's just an absolutely, it was a bullshit. absolutely terrible call. And I feel so much for Elliot Anderson because he came on, he made a huge impact and what a moment for a 20 year old Newcastle fan come through the academy to score their first goal think it's gonna it could be giving them a huge three points at the city ground celebrate in front of the traveling away fans and has that taken away from I just thought it was terrible yeah it was a it was a bit of a shit moment to be honest I felt really sorry for the lad and uh 
I, I, I'm still a bit angry about it. I know we won the game and you don't really have to complain too much now, but they have to sort this out, don't they? It's just a mess. If that's football, I don't want any part of football. I mean, I think that's my sort of response to it, that you that A, you can't sort of see what's what's wrong with it to start with and then you pour over it for ages and ages and you have that shitty delay after the kind of that moment of release and it's just it's it's fucking nonsense it's a load of nonsense and it makes the game much much worse it's not making it better in any way shape or form that i can see it just makes it worse but yeah if you if you want to take the positives from it it was anderson and the way he performed that was the elliot anderson we've been longing to see this season I don't have to go back very far, really, to the Liverpool match where he made the start and had to come off yeah, because of the Pope sending off, you know, felt for him that day. And, you know, we've been kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's made appearances in the Cup, sort of waiting for that moment. And it did feel like he grasped it. I thought he really grasped it when he came on. There's a, you know, interesting contrast there with St. Max and Matt, who hasn't quite sort of grasped it, I don't think, in the last few weeks. And he just, but he just looked like he wanted to be involved, he looked like he was going to make a difference, and I thought Forrest were terrified of him. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it, 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 you know, the, the, the disallowed goal was a big moment, but I, I'd prefer to sort of concentrate on his overall contribution because I thought he was, he was excellent, and you know, you want to see more of that. Really want to see more of that. On the refereeing quickly, I don't know how much you guys like to lurk on the opposition's social media, but I don't know if you saw after the game. <laughs> Nottingham Forest put a post up on their Instagram saying that the uh, referee had denied him three points due to his decision. Good Lord. It's quite a take. Well, I think he was bad. I do think he was bad overall. I mean, that's, you know, that takes a bit of, that takes a bit of gall from, from Forest. I would respectfully suggest. Um, but Are they complaining about the penalty there? Is that what, is that what they're complaining I about? I think that it's to do with a penalty they believe they should have had for a tackle on Willock. I think it was also the, f- the first, the Newcastle's first goal, Cooper came out afterwards and said that they believed that there was a uh, foul in the build-up. Oh, that, yeah, that, yeah, that was bollocks, that. that. That was not a foul. There was no way that was a foul. I mean, I, I should add that the Athletics' Nick Miller, who sat opposite me in the office this morning, the resident Nottingham Forest fan, was ashamed of his club for uh, this Instagram post. So, And the comments were fairly similar, so I don't want to suggest that all Forest fans are believing this, but it's quite the reach. <laughs> well, fair enough. In terms of the game, in terms of the, in terms of the referee, uh, I mean, I don't mean to take him out so much, but there, there was first half, there was a lot of challenges both ways that really, uh, particularly for, against Newcastle, where Shelby committed several fouls and somehow was not booked in the first half despite upending Bruno Gimarash. Then the one that he did he did pull up for Forrest uh, was the was was the one basically when he hadn't really touched Trippier and the, yeah and he got end up getting booked. I think it was Dennis. So there was a, it was some very poor officiating, but it was, there was a lot of needle from the very first minute for reasons. Um, which I'm not entirely sure, but it got to such an extent that apparently at half-time, Jason Tyndall and Steve Cooper, Cooper got called into the referee's office to basically tell both sides that they needed to calm down. Um, I don't really understand why there was so much need. It was a bit odd. I don't know. It, it, it must have been a hangover from something, but I don't really know why. There was a rotten tackle on Fabian Shea in about the fourth minute. They're like a scissors tackle, which could easily have been an ankle breaker if it's, if it's a slightly higher or... Or slightly later, and and yeah, they, they were flying around all over the place. How Shelby didn't get booked, I've got no idea. It was it was ridiculous. I'm convinced evening games have more needle in them, just as a, a con- something about being under the lights sort of triggers a fight or flight response, which leads to more 
<laughs> more bad tackles. But yeah, it's fans. Fans have been in the pub as well. I mean, it's like you know, yeah, everyone's up a height. Everyone's up a height. Everyone's a bit aggressive. That's true. Uh, George mentioned um, Alan to Maxman earlier on there, Chris. Um, what what what's happening with him at the minute? Because obviously he was taken off at half time. Um, there was talk in the media that there was a bit of a hamstring injury, but is there something else going on here? Is Was it a tactical decision or was he just not quite feeling it that night? Because he hasn't seemed to be quite feeling it for a while now. No, he hasn't seemed... I mean, he's had, he's had flashes here and there. And I thought I thought against Wolves, there were moments where he really did contribute. It was a little bit odd on, on Friday, I, I will admit, and, I, and he was poor first half. I mean, he was involved in, the, in Newcastle's first goal, to be fair. He played on a good pass. Uh, when he moved centrally, came across to the right and laid Willigoff down the line to then cross it in. But I'll just read Eddie Howe's comments after the game when he was asked about Sam Maximan. Alan wasn't quite right today, physically, I didn't think. He's been carrying a tight hamstring. I don't think it's a pull, it's just a little bit of tightness. For me, it was obvious during that first half that he probably wouldn't be able to carry on. Which is sort of saying he's injured, without, without but also saying but not really that injured. So it very yeah. seems like a quote-unquote Alan St. Maximan injury, which you quite often see during towards the end of, of matches when he always seems to be fine the week after. But I I mean, the thing with Alan St. Maximan is, and this is what they think inside the club as well, is that during, that, there, that he still does bring something different, particularly to Newcastle in home matches against sides who sit deep. He brings an ingenuity and a unique ability to take players on in the opposition half, which Newcastle don't really have anyone who can replicate that. Elliot Anderson brings something a little bit different, and hopefully he can start to bring something. But but certainly between now and the end of the season, Alan St. Maximan is a huge part of play. We're going to get on injuries in a bit, but Miguel Almiron's not going to be seen basically throughout April. Anthony Gordon, it's not entirely sure he's going to be back for Man United all the week after that. So Newcastle have depleted numbers. They also have Callum Wilson, who has barely trained recently due to various illnesses and ailments. So Alan St. Maximan is still vital to Newcastle, certainly in the in the short to medium term. And it might he might not have really performed on Friday night, and whether that was down to, to having an injury or not, he is still someone who is highly valued within the club, and so therefore. I suspect against Manchester United he will play a big part as long as he's fit. And George as well, it's it's a great result for the team's confidence, isn't it, going into this break? And uh, along with Spurs, getting all Spursy as well against Southampton, that was a, a, a nice sort of four-point injury time swing we had there. Yeah, some good results, some good results over the weekend. But yeah, I think it just calms everybody down. I mean, it's been, you know, it's been a difficult spell around the around the cup final and since then. And, you know, perhaps that feeling that the season might have tailed away a bit. Just a really good response to that in the last couple of matches and sets it up beautifully, doesn't it? Every, you know, the team are away at the moment. Uh, they get a chance to kind of recover a bit, get a bit of sun on their faces and then and then come back for a, for a massive match at the end of that. But just really good that they've managed to draw a line and, um, and respond. Absolutely right. Time for a quick break. But before that, get yourselves over to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first year. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Go and get one now. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman, and this week on the Athletic Football Podcast, we're bringing you a two-part special on the future of football. What will the expanded 48-team World Cup look like? And is it actually such a terrible idea? Plus, UEFA against FIFA, a Super League in disguise. How would you feel if your team became part of a multi-club model? 
There is a lot to get stuck into. Matt Slater, Adam Crafton and Laura Williamson will be with us. Just search for The Athletic Football Podcast wherever you listen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, chaps, international break time. So Newcastle are heading off to Dubai for a warm weather training camp. Chris, what can we expect for the squad while they're over there? Well, some of them are already over there, so Newcastle have, have gone. I think they were given a few days off some of the players, so they've jetted to various different places beforehand, some of them already in Dubai. But I think it's going to be similar to the trip that they had this time last year as well during the national break. So whereas they went to Jeddah in January 2022 and then they went to Riyadh in December and they were very much... Uh, training camps alongside commercial activities. This is more a little bit of downtime, but with training involved as well and focus on Manchester United. So it won't be quite as intense as some of those previous camps. Um, it'll be more a little bit of relaxation. That there's a there's a acceptance that since the World Cup, certainly for those players who were at the World Cup, um, that they haven't really had a break. The likes of Callum Wilson needs time to to recuperate. Hopefully, this, this fortnight will allow him and 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 Alan Maximan and others to really get back up to speed. So it's gonna it, it's it's a bit it, it's a combination of the two rest and then focus on Manchester United and the fact that they've got a big lead up to that game. And unlike Manchester United, don't have quite as many internationals away. Certainly from the first eleven, that hopefully gives them the opportunity uh, to really attack that game and hopefully start pick up where they left off where they've just left off for the international break. Yeah, it's come at a good time, hasn't it, Jacob? There's been some tired legs out there recently. Yeah, I mean, like, the amount of small niggles which have been mentioned. Um, I'm just quite jealous of them. It'd be lovely if we got an international break. She's got to jet off warm weather. I mean, Warm weather podcast Chris camp. has been down the tanning salon, but that's the closest <laughs> any of us have got. Can you imagine if I did actually go to a tanning salon? I would not have a bloody clue what to do. Can I have 20 minutes aside? I don't know how to... <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean what to do? You just lie down and slowly get brown? Or in your case, go from like blue to off-white? He'd probably ask for medium rare, no one, Chris, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do. Well, oh, God. Sorry, Jake. Have you got completely? Yeah, I mean, I I, I I I sidetracked it. I'll take I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like they, they they did look like they needed a little break. I think that the timing of these two wins was good because it covered up that. I reckon these two wins meant that kind of their February was a wobble rather than a slump. I kind of feel like that's the, mm, the correct yeah, terminology. Yeah. And just the rest now's probably come at quite a good time. Like there's two important but slightly ugly wins. Get better and big April ahead. Yeah, and we've heard as well, uh, George, recently that Nick Pope isn't going to travel with England after being announced in the squad originally, and Fraser Foster is going to be stepping in for him. Uh, apparently, Pope's been carrying a bit of a knock for a little while, which is a it's a shame for him, that isn't it? Yeah, it is. But again, you know, 
I, that that sense that people need a need a break. I mean, not not just physically, but mentally as well. After after such a sort of intense and emotional spell of you know, we know about his emotions after after missing the the cup final in such a sort of distressing fashion. It won't do him any harm. And yeah, there have been sort of the. I mean, the way he makes saves, the way he keeps Newcastle in matches and saves matches for Newcastle has been consistently brilliant there has just been that flicker of uncertainty about about the way he comes out of his box since that big moment against Liverpool I think you know just that bit of a refresh will do everyone good yeah I mean he he has been playing international standard football there's absolutely no doubt about that so I'm yeah disappointed for him in that sense but if Pickford was going to start both of these games it does mean that you know he can he can have a bit of a rest and relax and and recharge I mean mentally it's been it's been an absolutely kind of shattering period I think for all of us you know just watching the team has been exhausting let alone playing <laughs> playing for it so um you know I'm pleased he's going to get a bit of a break and in terms of Nick Pope and the, the information we're getting is that it's not a serious injury. He had train. He, he missed some training last week. He is receiving some treatment, but it feels to me like it's an international break injury in terms of that sort of again that that's sort of not going to. Yeah. And I'll just give you another how Eddie Howe quote. This is this one is to do with Fabian Scher, who there'd been reports in Switzerland heading into Friday's match that Fabian Scher had pulled out of the squad due to an injury. Now, when when Howe was asked about this, how Fabian Scher having paid ninety minutes on Friday night said. Fabian's been carrying lots of different things in the last few weeks. He's been carrying a foot problem and also had concussion. So I think it's just a chance for him to rest his body and go again, which I'm sure Switzerland were delighted to hear after he just came off the pitch at the City Crown and played 90 minutes. So yeah. Yeah. Fabian Scher needs a rest, but not for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Basically, that's what that means, isn't it? Precisely. I watched the game again on Sunday with my girlfriend, who's um, not a massive football fan. You watched it again? Yeah. Well, I, I was sort of was very half watching it on Friday. Are you ready how? I've got a lovely afternoon uh, planned for and, um, <laughs> Rewatched on Sunday morning. And she thought that Fabian Cher was like Cher the singer playing centre-back. So whenever it kept coming up on commentary, it's like, oh, didn't know, didn't know Cher played for Newcastle. Wow. I can barely believe that. No. Well, there you go. Oh, I, I got that. I got that. I got that, Taylor. Don't worry. I bet you wish you could turn back oh, time now. Yes, George, I do. I really do. I really do. We all do. Oh my God, I've come to that that's, late. That's... To before you asked me to host this podcast four years ago. Uh, yeah. You can do better than that, Sonny. <laughs> no, I can't, mate. That's exactly my no, level. Sonny, Sonny and uh, Cher, come on. Keep up. Oh, come on, man. Don't slip them through. That's cheeky. Nice. Uh, right, okay. Where were we? Oh, Chris, Miguel Amaron's going to be out for about six weeks as well. That's a bit of a shit one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this was actually the a Paraguay's national coach who on Friday when they announced their squad and Almiron wasn't in it, came out and said that he's been injured in, in training for Newcastle. It's going to be three weeks at so that stage. Three weeks, that's not great, but, you know, you miss Man United, might miss Brentford, but it should be all right. And then Eddie Howe came out after the game and said he's injured his thigh and that actually it's going to be six weeks. So if that's from last week, you're basically talking almost the duration of April, which Newcastle have seven matches, I think it is, across April. Very, very busy schedule. They already, Anthony Gordon, we are unsure if he's definitely going to be available for Manchester United. The hope was he was going to be, but that it was sort of, it's basically an injury which the timescale is a little bit difficult to work out whether it's sort of two, three, four weeks. And so I think he's going to be touch and go for that. So that's Newcastle's top goal scorer, their £40 million January signing, the only attacking reinforcement they made yeah. in January. 
and so that that is that is a real negative. Almiron maybe he's had, had lost a bit of form, but then came on a, a, against Wolves, really looked back to the Miguel Almiron of, of, of October November. Of who you were such a massive fan, Chris. <laughs> let's not forget. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. <laughs> yes, well, you know, absence may make the heart grow fonder over the course of the next few weeks. Who knows? But uh, no, it's a it's a it's a huge it is a huge blow for Newcastle. And so let's hope that Elliot Anderson. If he's given opportunities, as he looks, he may be over the course of the next few weeks. He can grasp them. Let's hope Alan St. Maximum rediscovers that form. And actually, Jacob Murphy, though, I will say, I mean, I wrote about him last week, and he's appeared in every single Premier League game this season, but last week was only his sixth start yep. of the season. He's often used as sort of a sub to come on and do exactly what Eddie Howe wants from him. Press high, bring that sort of intensity, final ball often lacking. But I thought of the last two games, what Jacob Murphy offers that a lot of other players to Castle have done is he's direct. He crosses the ball in the box at every opportunity. He's a right-footed player playing on the right-hand side. So rather than an inverted winger as Newcastle usually play with, you have that ability to get the byline and cross it in. And so I think Jacob Murphy has justified his place over the last couple of weeks and hopefully... Uh, they are able to cover for Miguel Almiron's absence. Joe Linton come back from suspensions big as well because he's someone who could play either in midfield or up front. But there's no doubt that Newcastle are stretched right now. Absolutely. And it's a good chance as well, George, isn't it, for some of those players who are maybe close to fitness but but not quite there yet to, to brush up a little bit. I'm thinking of people like Callum Wilson, Matt Target. It's a good chance for them guys to get some energy into their legs and to get a bit closer to being able to play. Yeah, because Wilson, I mean, since since making the World Cup squad, and you know, we were all delighted for him about that. You know, he just hasn't been the same Callum Wilson as in the first half of the season when he was obviously bursting to do that. So, you know, that Callum Wilson is a huge player for Newcastle and and can be again. It's been a pretty, I don't want to say rubbish period, but he just hasn't looked the player that he, that he was. You know, we know that he's not been training as much as you would like. You can see he's not looked sharp. And, you know, although he's still sort of caused centre-half problems, he's just not looked threatening himself. And the chances that he would normally take, he's not he's not took. But, you know, they're going to need him. You know, they're going to need everybody who's who's available between now and the end of the season. So, yeah, it is a good chance, uh, hopefully, for him to get a bit of sharpness back into his legs. He's got a bit of work to do now, though, Jacob, hasn't he, with Alexander Izak proving himself week after week? It's, it's going to be a difficult one for Wilson to get back into that squad. Yeah, I mean, I feel we said last week that Last week was the time where Isaac really had stamped his place on that starting striker jersey. And, I mean, he's just reinforced that last weekend, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Chris, it's not quite transfer season yet, but you've laid out some of the criteria you think that Newcastle will be looking for uh, in the summer when they, uh, they look into recruitment. So what, what what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, it's only mid-March, so it's still very early days in terms of absolute final specific targets in terms of whittling down lists but Newcastle have long lists of players a lot of whom are long-term targets Anthony Gordon for example would have been a, a target again this summer if Newcastle hadn't managed to secure him in January Nico Williams was someone they looked at in January as well at Athletic Bilbao it was sort of like one or the other and he's still someone they're looking at and essentially what Newcastle need to wait on is it looks very much like they're going to be in European competition next season it sort of depends which European competition they're in because if they get into the Champions League there's an acceptance within the club a, a realisation in the club that the depth really isn't there to be able to compete on, and that, that that would mean potentially that they're going to have to do more business more substantive business than, than, than they necessarily plan to they still intend to do quite a lot of business this summer left back a centre back uh, one or two midfielders and one or two forwards are sort of what they're looking at right now 
and that's going to be very difficult to do in a world of FFP and can they actually sell to buy and to generate specific money but basically what they are looking for is greater depth greater quality where possible but also a lot of the players the sort of profile of player they're looking for athletic physical tactically versatile so basically similar to players of same reason similar to Gordon similar to Isak they want more players like that very Eddie Howe-esque players who will continue to, to play in the way that Eddie Howe wants. Well, as we said last week when he spoke about Isak and, and he'd made that comment about him not being able to play 90 minutes, which he did on Friday, by the way, he played 96. Yeah. But it was he was saying, I don't think he can play the way that I want to play for 90 minutes. Yeah. And that's very much, he, he needs, for, for Eddie Howe's high press, high intensity, physical style, he needs athletes. He needs Joe Willock type players. He needs Alexander Isak type players. And that's, again, what they're going to be looking for this summer. Yes, I mean we didn't mention Joe Willock earlier on, did we? But he he was great again against Forest. He had another fantastic game, and he's he's putting performances together every week. Uh, he's going to need to be at his best when Man United come, George, on the second of April. That's an absolutely huge game, isn't it? One of the classic Premier League fixtures: Newcastle against Manchester United at St James's Park. It should be a massive day. That yeah, absolutely. And if Newcastle win that day, they can leap above them in the table on goal difference. And um, yeah, it's a chance to get a bit of. Quick, quick revenge after the cup final. Not that it would, um, not that it would make up for that. I don't think it's a sort of interesting time to be playing them in the sense that they obviously got stuffed by Liverpool. Take away the Europa League matches out, and they they drew with Southampton, and they were so bloody spawny the other day against Fulham. And so yeah, it's a it, it is a massive match, and it's you know yeah, there's Newcastle Newcastle owe, owe them one without a doubt. Uh, not just not just for for this cup final, but previous cup finals and and previous things too. And it's just nice to be kind of considering this fixture as a as a big one again, as opposed to Newcastle trying to get out of it um, without conceding too many goals or whatever. You know, they've obviously had a brilliant second half of the season, or you know, middle third of the season, whatever, and and have come good. But yeah, I mean, you would think that St James's will be absolutely ferocious that day, and. Um, I don't think we need to sort of be approaching that fixture with trepidation now. It should be one to it should be one to be to be relished. Yeah, and there's an awful lot of history in that game, isn't there, George? As well as you well know that that Man United match is something which is uh, which we <laughs> we've come up against quite a lot, and it's a, it's a massive game. And and you've been involved in a a, a play that's currently happening at the live theatre. You've uh, done a little uh, panel for that. Yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out. If I'd been on the podcast last week I'd have I'd have done it then um but um not had a chance to see the play until until this weekend it's called love it if we beat them and it's actually about politics and the labor party but it's it's set around 95 96 when Newcastle of course did give up that big lead to Manchester United in that incredible season and it's a brilliant it's a brilliant play the the panel was was great fun uh, we had Paul Ferris on it and Steve Harper, Ian Mearns, the, the MP for Gateshead, and then the writer of the play, Rob Ward, and one of the actors in it, Davy Davy Nanest, who's a mate, mate of mine. And it's, um, yeah, it's really, really good. It's on at Live Theatre until this weekend. There are, I know that everybody says there's only a few tickets left, but there genuinely are only a few tickets left. It's nearly sold out. But um, if you can get in, go and see it, because, I mean... 
I've said there should be trigger warnings for Geordies of a certain vintage because there are there are clips from ninety five, ninety six, which oh I didn't know whether to be more traumatized yeah. by by some of the plot lines or simply the football in ninety five, ninety six. But it's a beautiful piece of art and um yeah, a, a great reminder that we we're very lucky to have some great, great cultural institutions in this city. So go and see it if you can. Great stuff. Sounds fantastic. Right, let's take a quick break before we come back and round things up. We'll be back in a tick. And and I'll tell you, honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, chaps, let's round things up. Uh, Jacob, I'll come to you first. You've written about the latest developments in the Hillsborough overcrowding story. What has Eddie Howe said to the press about this one? So um, he spoke about it on Friday ahead of a Nottingham Forest game and said that Newcastle owed it to their fans to kind of find out what had really happened in a Sheffield City Council meeting after the um, allegations of overcrowding in the FA Cup third round tie. Should also clarify it's not a freedom of information request, as some places have sort of reported. It was just kind of an information request into the council, which anybody can make. And sort of that has led to reduction in capacity at the Leppings Lane end. So it's gone down from a total of 4,700 to 3,700. In response to that, um, I'll just quote, Richard Eyre of Sheffield City Council has said that Wednesday volunteered to reduce the standard capacity rather than being made to, and they've stressed that it never breached its capacity or safety certificate. And then since then, it's become a former requirement. There's some kind of quite interesting timings on this. So Newcastle got the information on Monday, and Wednesday only found out that it become a former requirement on the Tuesday, which kind of led to a, a bit of an imbalance in terms of when that information became public which didn't reflect brilliantly on Wednesday but kind of that's the reason why that happened and there wasn't sort of any kind of cover-up from anyone's perspective it was just kind of a matter of timing. Whether voluntary or otherwise it certainly appears that the reports from that game have led to the reduction in capacity. George you were there that day as well weren't you? Yeah I was in the upper tier and I mean we did we did speak about this afterwards and I was very sort of careful about the language I, I chose because Obviously, Hillsborough, you know, is synonymous with tragedy, and I didn't want to sort of use that that kind of lang- language. Um, but it was very uncomfortable in that upper tier. It was absolutely packed. It was a very narrow space, and you know, I didn't spend any time in it. I kind of got into it and got straight out of it because I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. So, yeah, I have to say, well done to Newcastle for uh, for keeping out this, and of course, the, the supporters trust for collating responses to it and dealing with the club i mean i think that's a you know that's a victory for fan activity right there so yeah so well done well done to them 
Elsewhere, a terrific week for Becky Langley and Newcastle's women. They beat their main rivals, Durham Sestria, 1-0 on Tuesday night and followed up, more, probably more importantly as well, with a 4-0 win over Norton and Stockton. Only five more league games for them. Five wins will see them win the league and promotion to the third tier. Chris, that's great stuff, that, isn't it? It is. They had a bit of a sticky patch of their own early in the season where there were drawn games that, that, that they felt that they should have won. And obviously there's only one promotion slot, which is why they missed out last season narrowly. But to to have got that form now, to have it within their own hands and their final home game of the season will be at St. James's Park as well on Sunday the 16th of April against Bradford City Women's. So you, if you want to go to that, if you can't, if you usually go to the men's home games, but equally if, if you haven't been able to get in and or desperate to go to St. James's Park, want to cheer on uh, Newcastle United side, then, then get along for that because it could be when they clinch promotion or it could be a key game in that. So for them to be in this position, it's exactly what you would want. It's in their hands, just like it's in the men's team's hands now to, to try and finish in the top four. Lovely stuff. And George, just before we go, a little bit of an update on the Bobby 90 fanzine proceeds. Yes, so obviously people remember, it feels like a lifetime ago, but for around, the, around, the, around the Liverpool game, uh, we did we did a huge project, uh, both at The Athletic and wider than that, with loads of written pieces, podcasts featuring Ollie, our brilliant producer, and, and then the flag design, the war flag flag design, and part of it was we also produced uh, a fanzine, and it was put together by, by Charlotte, our good friend Charlotte Robson, and Peter, who you'll um, know as Budapest691 on Twitter. Oh, yes. Brilliant designer, brilliant graphic designer. And anyway, it's pretty much sold out, but five more than £5,000 has now been donated to the Sir Bobby Robson Foundation, wow. which is just uh, brilliant. We had, had the foundation front and centre of everything we were trying to do around it, but that money's now been paid over. So huge thank you to Charlotte and Peter in particular. And thank you to everybody who bought it. What a what a project that was. Absolutely amazing. And some of them fanzines are still left if you want to pick that up, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Um, I think there's just a handful left now. But if you go to bobby90.bigcartel.com, you should still be able to pick up a copy. Brilliant stuff, yeah. Check that out. Uh, right then. Also, you should check out theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and pick yourself up a subscription to The Athletic and pay just £1.99 a month for your first entire yeah, thank you very much, chaps. That's it from Pod on the Time for this week. Cheers, Chris, for your time and for being all lovely and orange and stuff on the camera. It looks great. Thank you. Going back to hit the beds once again to try and go from <laughs> orange to mahogany. <laughs> You'll be catching up the Tyndall soon, won't you? Huh? Look at that. He's got such a healthy glow about him today, lads. He looks beautiful. Uh, cheers, Jacob. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. End of this first block of Newcastle fixtures. Kind of not quite sure what the uh, international break's going to really bring for uh, Newcastle consumption? Do you kind of see it as a very much two weeks of kind of relief and balm or do you find yourself missing it after 10 days? I tend to be missing it after a couple of days to be honest. I think I get a couple of days of oh this is quite nice to not have to worry and then I'm like where's the football bring it back. Yeah need it back quick as possible. Uh, George thanks very much for your time man. Not a problem. See you uh, next week for more of this nonsense. Absolutely, and thank you to all of you out there for listening as well. From everybody at Pod on the Tyne, take care, have a good week. We'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. I have been having various different... Oh, it wasn't... When we were on the call earlier today, it was a yoghurt and it was a biscuit, but then I had a blood orange one. Have you ever considered not eating whilst, whilst 
communicating on video chat to other human <laughs> beings and because th- on the it's, theory that it's actually quite rude no nope. well, we've adopted the diet of a young orangutan <laughs> do you do you remember what happened chris when you've eaten whilst recording this yeah, podcast well, that, I, I was told off for not having my camera on at that point so therefore i now make sure to have the camera on does Victoria Sponge count as one of your five a day? Because I've just polished one of them off about an hour. Like an entire <laughs> Victoria Sponge? No, <laughs> just a mass, just a massive wedge of it. <laughs> the Athletic.